Welcome back to On the Path. We had a little hiatus, but this is where we explore all things Witcher, etc. Today we continue the second season of the Netflix series. And Lucy, how are you doing? I hope you're doing better than me. Because do I sound oh, do yeah. I sound a little off? I was no. I think you actually you sound good. Your voice is still sounding uh, good. Uh, I, was, I have to uh, apologize. The hiatus is definitely my fault. Uh, I went over back home to Northern Ireland for Christmas and ended up catching COVID um and had to extend my trip for i think 10 nearly 10 days extra so yeah a lot of isolation over there but we're back and it is good to be back but yeah i think you're not doing too well nowadays no i am currently isolating with probably covid and because america i can't really get tested or find a test but it might just be for the better anyway but i sound funny Mm. in my head apologies out there if i go on like a little tangent or if i get a little Mm. loopy because i'm cough medded up and kind of going a little stir crazy being in this room (laughs) but yeah i feel you i feel you yeah we're gonna soldier on because today we have a very special guest joining us for the episode number two care more and and it is tracy welcome hi guys thanks for having me back on the show because i i've been here before uh lucy Mm -hmm. uh before before you were on the show, I think yeah. um, I, I was on. But uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be back. I was saying to Brett yesterday um, when he first invited me on to talk about Nightmare of the Wolf, um, I was really nervous and I went and listened to your episode uh, specifically Aww. to see what it was like when he had a guest on. So yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with your episode. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I like that, uh, that this particular podcast is very chill vibes where we're, yeah. <laughs> we just have discussions here and it's great. Uh, <laughs> we have some notes, which is always good to mm-hmm. have notes for things, but it's, you know, I like that it's very uh, more chill conversational. Yeah, I like that too. I forgot to look it up. Do you remember which chapter it was you were on? We talked about uh, one of the short stories, Edge of the World. Oh, that's right. It was was... when I was going to redo them. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I had a big major life change that kind (laughs) of stopped a lot of that. And then it kind of morphed into this. So here we go. Everything is for the better. Uh, But yeah, before we get started, Tracy, go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got started in The Witcher, anything you're involved in, whatever you'd like to say. So hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Tracy and I go by Magitech or Miss Magitech on the internet. And I, uh, well, I have a day job where I work in the gaming and tech industry, but at night and on the weekends, I am doing lots of content. I stream on my Twitch channel. I do a lot of cosplay stuff. Uh, I play a lot of D&D uh, on my channel right now. That's really what one of the main things is. But I also like to do a lot of Witcher content. My YouTube channel, I have started doing like, well, actually, when season one came out, I did a bunch of videos on season one of Witcher Netflix, and that got a lot of views and a lot of good discussion, surprisingly good discussion on my YouTube channel, because sometimes, you know, YouTube comments can be a little Mm. weird, but it was actually a lot of great discussion, so it encouraged me to do more of that, and so right now I do a lot of Witcher stuff on my YouTube channel. I got into the Witcher story very similar to many others, uh, where I first played the games, The Witcher 3, obviously, and just became in in love and infatuated with the universe uh just fantasy rpgs and any sort of story driven rpg has always been something very close and near and dear to my heart so the witcher was one that captivated me with the characters and the world it was just amazing so that's how i got into reading the books and playing the other games and just being infatuated with the world so 
you know, that's my story. You've also recently gotten back into Gwent, have you not? Yes. How's that going? Yes, it has been good, actually. I stopped playing Gwent for a while. I don't know why. I just stopped playing for no particular reason. I got into other games. And I used to play a lot more frequently. I think 2019, 2018, 2019 was when I played a lot. And I decided this year... I. I, I can't lie that season two, I think, got me, you know, reignited the the flame like many others to do more Witcher things. But I think, you know, playing Gwent again was a goal of mine for 2022 and getting back into it. So I'm, yeah, I've been really enjoying playing Gwent again. Okay. And Lucy, you pretty much just picked it up recently, have you not? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, I started playing went for the first time probably like the beginning of December or even like halfway through December just before I went home for Christmas and thankfully the mobile app is a thing and that is probably the only thing that kept me from going insane because when I was at home isolating I was literally just in my bedroom because the rest of my family managed to stay testing negative so I wanted to isolate from them so I was just in my bedroom for like oh probably just over a week um so I was working and then playing Gwent <laughs> and that was it yeah, so my first my first uh, Gwent stream was when you joined me, Brett, and coached me through it, which I think I desperately needed because it is kind of overwhelming when you don't know, you know, what cards to use or what's going to do what. Yeah. There's quite a lot more to it, especially compared to the Witcher 3 version, which everybody did tell me, to be fair. Everyone said it's not the same, but you still kind of think, you know, I'm awesome at Gwent. Like, I won the Passiflora Gwent tournament, uh, so I'm going to ace this. Yeah. And then it's just, like, nothing like it. So having that uh, coaching session was definitely good. But I think I'm getting there. I think uh, there's still a lot to learn, but I'm definitely improving. You're also picking it up while streaming for the most part, and that is doubly yeah. as hard. Yeah, it is. And that's why I rope all the time. I, I do agree with you, Lucy, that it is a little daunting to get into at first. Um, and the other thing about Gwent is it's just so, it's very dynamic. Like it's changed so much since yeah. like, it, since the beta days of Gwent and everything has changed. And even coming back into it, I'm like, wow, like there's obviously, you know, the meta changes all the time, which is great that you know, they're, they're constantly adding new cards and doing new things, which is great. Um, but it can be hard to uh, initially learn everything and, and make sure to get back into it all. It's, mm -hmm. It can be a lot sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm definitely like a creature of habit as well. Like, and I'll find my cards that I like and I understand. And then I want to just stick with them. Yeah. And then, like you say, like maybe the meta will change or someone will come into my chat and suggest something new and I'm kind of really digging my heels in. I just want to stick with what I know. But I think, like you say, it's dynamic, so you can't do that. You have to kind right. of keep changing and learning different things, which is good. It keeps the game interesting, um, but it's definitely something I find a challenge. Yeah, the biggest part of it is also play what you want to have fun with. And that's something exactly. I've learned. As mm. like you said, the game has changed a lot. I've played it basically continuously now for almost four years, back from the beta to the homecoming to everything now. And yeah, there's been times where it's just been, I would not want to play this game at all. And then I just mm. decided I'm going to play whatever the hell I want to play. Generally, I only play when I stream also because it's just more fun. It's a very good game to stream because it's easy yeah. to talk with people and do all that. And yeah, you just have fun with it and then just do whatever you want. All right, so another thing that we were going to talk more in-depth about, and who knows, I may even just cut this entirely, was <laughs> the showrunner, Lauren, recently got into a Twitter discussion 
spat, whatever you want to call it, with a YouTuber. It's gone on for about four or five days, it seems. We had a lot that we are going to talk about. We talked about it off mic and kind of decided we really weren't going to go in-depth on it. But it's also yeah, been kind of talked yeah. about to death. But just real quickly, uh, I'll throw it to y'all if y'all want to say anything on it. You can. If not, it's all good. So, Tracy, you have anything? Yeah, it, it was interesting because we all agreed to uh, record this episode. And it was obviously the main topic is going to be episode two, season two. Uh, and then all of this stuff was happening on Twitter. And this was a few days ago. And we, you know, it was like, okay, this seems like something worth at least talking about. But now it's just gone on and dragged on for so many days that it's like, at this point, I think it's the, the conversation has been exhausted. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just like, um, yeah, it, it's like, it, yeah, I think that's really where we're kind of at and why we decided like, it's, it's just a lot to talk about. There's, there's been like new, uh, posts that Lauren has made basically every day. So it, it's just been like, okay, you know what, this is, this is a topic that's just kind of become, it's escalated to something totally that's just a lot <laughs> to talk about. It could be a whole episode in itself. If exactly. Really yeah. <laughs> what we were saying before we started recording was uh, I, I was kind of out of the loop with this because uh, I had other stuff going on. Um, so when you guys were uh, DMing about it and I was just like, God, I need to catch up with this. And it wasn't like there was two or three tweets that I need to read and maybe watch a video. There was hundreds and hundreds of tweets um, all from Lauren and then this guy who I hadn't even heard of before this whole thing started. And... Yeah, I think our main takeaway from it was that now he's got all this attention and now I know who this person is and I would rather I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. It's been completely exhausted now and I don't really feel like there's anything that hasn't been said. And she, I, I think she's done this a few times now, but she seems to want to put it to bed herself. She's kind of given her closing argument maybe two or three times now. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's It needs to be left, I think. Yeah, she's coming from a good place, but it's one of those totally. when you're so tolerant, you can't be tolerant of intolerance because mm -hmm. intolerance is never going to do it. It didn't end because I kept thinking, too, it was just, OK, you got a little bit now. Let's talk about it. And like Tracy said, yeah. each day there was something new. And yeah. the final tweet that she made literally was 30 minutes before this recording. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> is this, by the time this episode comes out, it might there may be more like it's not. Yeah, even we'll be going doing to, live updates yeah, throughout like, the podcast. It, oh, my God. Yo, you know what? I might pull that up. Breaking news, like in the middle. Hey, we got to go back to the intro. <laughs> and so, like you said there, when you said you didn't know who this was, you hadn't heard about it. That's when I started mm -hmm. to think about maybe we shouldn't bring attention to it. Because yeah. how many people, I highly doubt she turned a lot of people's minds that were the, and to sum it up, I know some people are out there going, who the hell are they talking about? Or what are they talking about? I don't even want to say it, but I won't say the person's name. Right. It's a yeah. popular YouTuber, a out and out racist and out and out misogynist. A big thing about the Witcher that the guys always hit on is the diversity of the cast. It's not the characterization. It's just how dare they have any like non-white people in it. It's one of those people. He mm -hmm. looks exactly what you would imagine an yep. alt-right, right-wing YouTube troll would look like. Like mm -hmm. the epitome of like the neckbeard meme is this guy. <laughs> and so everything is there. You can look it up if you want. But I just, I don't want anybody else look this guy up or give him views or even give him the time of day that didn't before. And I know we're kind of doing that now. 
And yeah. I, I, I'm talking in circles. I just I'm just trying to give a reason why we're not getting too in depth in it. And I think honestly, I don't know if anything positive came out of it. Do y'all think anything positive came out of it? Because there's no way that their viewers. Because I looked at some of what his supporters would say, and it was always, yeah. "Oh, look at this good dialogue." Now I'm gonna look at. I'm like, but they're not gonna change. They're not gonna understand right. what she's saying. It's just all exactly. a grift of being. Oh, look, we can all be civil when their side is not civil. I, I was just gonna say, I I don't find there to be much positive coming out of it because like you say even if people are reading and listening to what she's saying and like lauren did keep saying this in some of her replies that she just wants people to listen and maybe change their minds and she she thought that she could do that but i i don't think anybody who watches and listens to this guy religiously and is like a fan or a follower of his i don't think their minds are going to be changed by this uh, discussion no matter how civil it was i agree and in, in that's where it's like i don't think ultimately it could have brought out a lot of positive change um it, we all i i think the three of us definitely agree that she comes from a place of well-meaningness but i think um she didn't fully understand the the community that she was getting into and mm -hmm. how they they eat this stuff up and and not in a good way i i definitely believe in like the sowing of seeds or planting seeds for change and that 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 does help but these kinds of things and i think she mentioned this in her own twitter uh you know threads that she did that these kinds of things don't change on twitter and and these kinds of discussions just don't they don't change the world the way i think she wants it to so yeah. she's I, finally I, it seems she you're like you said she's realizing that and um is deciding to move on but we'll see uh we'll see if that actually happens <laughs> mm. all right so we said we weren't going to get into it and then we got into it <laughs> <laughs> i know i know right <laughs> yeah but again and it's the same i think we're all kind of agreeing on that we don't fault her or blame her it just like tracy you hit it on the head right there she did not mm -hmm. know what she was getting into with this guy and it kind of took on a life of its own and yeah. it may not be done yet. Hopefully it is. Right. But maybe not. But okay. So we've got all that out of the way. Let's get to the main reason why y'all are listening. And it's to discuss season two, episode two, Care Morin, written by Bo DeMaio, who also wrote Nightmare of the Wolf. So it seemed it was perfect synergy there to get this episode. No spoilers <laughs> for future episodes. This will not be a scene by scene rundown either. More major points of discussion. This is also, aka, the Eskel episode. Yeah. Another mm -hmm. thing that has kind of been talked about to death. But hey, look, more of it in case you know that's yep. your thing. So <laughs> we'll start off well with you, Tracy. What yeah. was something that really stuck out, or something that you would like to discuss? So it's it's funny because when uh, when when you reached out and were like, hey, let's you know do an episode of The Witcher season two. Which episode do you want to do? And I knew that, well, I knew personally I wanted to cover an episode earlier in the season because I I think I like the the start of the season more so than I did the the last few episodes. So I knew I want to talk about one of the earlier episodes. And I picked episode two and I kind of forgot that this was one of the more this this episode has one of the more controversial decisions, obviously the Eskel uh thing. So I didn't think about that too much when I first agreed to do the episode. And then I realized, I was like, oh, wait, this is the, uh, this is the Eskel episode. Because to me, what I actually got out of this episode was a lot of the other storyline. So there's obviously the Kaer Morin 
storyline, which is the bigger part of this episode. But there's also the elves and Yennefer and Fringilla. Uh, so maybe we could talk about that part first. Um, and just how I, I actually really liked some of this intro to Francesca as a character. I think, you know, this is the first time we see her in season two, and I absolutely loved her. And, uh, you know, Brett, you know this, and Lucy, this is probably something you've also learned about me, is that I'm very much, one of my favorite things about the Witcher universe are the elves. So mm -hmm. this is our first real big introduction to the elves for this season, and I I overall really liked it. So I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on the on those scenes in particular. I agree, yeah. So um, I think the difference with um, me here is I don't have the background of the books. So this was all completely new to me, um, especially the elves. Um, and I agree. I thought Francesca was sort of like the perfect... I don't know if they're if she's their queen. They don't, I don't, do they use the word of queen? Because I know that they called... They used to call Philavandral the king of the elves. Yes. Um, so would they refer to her as a queen now? Do you think... Is that right? Uh, she kind of is yeah yeah the, yeah. the daisy of the valley she and again this Lena, can be yeah. this can be a little spoilery because it doesn't really come up mm -hmm. well, actually i guess we can if we're not going to spoil anything she has a title but it's okay. not queen i'm so good at asking questions that can't be answered yeah because <laughs> well, i just they might, well they might not even do it in the show but if you're talking from a book yeah. perspective she does get yeah. a title if you will but i don't think she's mm -hmm. ever referred to as like queen there's a queen yeah. of the fields that was dana the goddess from yeah. edge of the world but yeah she's definitely like a leader type for yes. the elves yeah and yeah and that is obviously very well demonstrated in this episode for sure and also lose uh tracy you might help me out here because again i might not be in the right frame of mind phil Evandrel, and Francesca are not together in the books, right? No, okay. they're not. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Phil Evangel actually never really comes back, does he? No, he. I think he shows up in that first, um, in the Edge of the World yeah. short story, and we don't really hear much from Phil Evangel yeah, for the rest of the yeah, series. Yeah, I don't think he ever comes back. Even Teruvial comes back, but... She does, yeah, yeah, but not him, yeah. Okay, well, there's a little book tangent. All right, Lucy, back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was a really good introduction to them as like a group of people rather than just we got a very very short um, snippet of elves in season one I think just with the scene with Philavandral um, but I thought Francesca was amazing like I can't see I can't wait to see where she goes even well later in the series obviously we know but we're not going to talk about it I thought she was like a really kind of inspiring she seemed like she seemed kind of haunted by whatever they've been through. Um, she seems very determined to get what she wants. And she's very, she's got this faith in um, the white hooded uh, woman that she sees in her dreams. And she obviously cares a lot for her brother and the rest of the elves, um, but has this kind of deep hatred for the humans. Um, you know, so much so that she just wanted to string Yennefer and Fringilla up straight away as soon as they arrived. Um, so it's put it's laying the groundwork there for like the tension that is going to be between um, the the two groups of people. But yeah, overall, I was really excited by the introduction of the elves. I like uh, one scene in particular when you know we we learn that Fringilla and Yennefer have, have been captured by the elves, and you know the show has done a lot with playing on Yennefer's uh, elven. Blood mm -hmm. that she's like part elf she has some part elf in her and she knows elder speech and they're phil Evangel and francesca are speaking in elder speech and she butts in because she can understand what they're saying and she's like you know i'm part elf too and francesca comes in and is like have you 
celebrated our traditions? Have you shed tears over anything elven? Mm-hmm. You are not an elf. Uh, and I don't know, that just gives you an idea of who these people are, how prideful they are, uh, mm-hmm. how much their culture means to them. We see some of the elven ruins, and which is also, again, a nod to the books where uh, these elven ruins are the elves destroyed them because they were are they're so prideful that they would rather destroy their own ruins than let humans destroy them so it's just Mm -hmm. like all these little things that i I, which that i really took away from this episode where i was like wow i i love that they're doing all this it's it's super cool yeah that scene the scene where she just puts yen in her place do you sing our songs do you celebrate Mm -hmm. our oh my god that was awesome yep because yeah yen's like oh i'm part elf quarter elf a quadroon and it's Mm -hmm. one of those that kind of hits a little close to me, and it could be anyone else who is quote unquote. It's kind of changed. We talked about this almost like a biracial or almost bi ethnic. Is mm-hmm. you probably can't tell by me, but you can by my last name, which is Cervantes. I'm like half Mexican. My dad mm-hmm. is Mexican ancestry. My mom is white, basically Western European, Irish, Scottish, all that. It's kind of one of those where when I fill out a form, it has changed now to race, no longer has like Latino or Hispanic. I have to put white. But then ethnicity, I put Latino or Hispanic. But mm. it's one of those, okay, I've got the last name, but I never really sang the songs. I was raised in what you would call a suburban white, like American lifestyle. And so when I see something like that, that would be like me going out there and being like, oh, yeah, I'm Mexican, do all that. And someone who actually you know, was raised in that culture being like, no, nah, you can't claim that just because your name. And so I, yeah. ju- I just love that she, you know, stuck that right back at her. I really think Yen thought that that would get her out of it as well. Like she, she seemed like she was like, oh, I'm an elf. And she thought that was going to be her assorted. Yep. And Francesca just was like immediately no. So I loved that. Oh, that's a big thing that when some kids will see my name, they're like, oh, do you speak Spanish? And I'm like, no. And I can tell some of them mm-hmm. are just like, oh, okay. And it's like, yeah, that's like that credibility where if I knew that Spanish, it would be like, okay, now you're kind of more in on it. It's almost more credibility if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was fun to see. And I'm also, I love the elves as well. But a big thing for me is evidenced by this a leather wallet holder thing I have over here. I like the mm-hmm. Scoia'tael and I love the idea of the yep. Scoia'tael. And that is something that, I mean, we can just talk about it because it didn't come up. They don't introduce it in the series. And I thought for sure this I was going to be it because the way the first episode ends, you see these spears on these yep. ropes from the trees. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the Scoia'tael. Hell yeah. Oh, uh, this. And then it was, and it was mm-hmm. them. And so that was a massive thing that I wanted to see. I wanted to see the Scoia'tael because in The Witcher, these elves are very beaten down. These are not the Tolkien elves that are all Mm -hmm. thousands. Well, I guess they could be thousands of years old, but they're not in charge. They're not in these great temples and all that. It's all ruined. Like the humans have ruined their lives and kind of massacred them and they're on the edge of extinction. And so for it to for them not to introduce the Scoia'tael yet, I was kind of disappointed by that. Me too. I uh, I was hoping for the same where it might we might get some of that. You know, the, the Scoia'tael are their own like commando groups who um, they try to take matters into their own hands against humans and they'll get they'll recruit you know dwarves and and halflings and others that yeah that didn't really come up in this season i i hope we can get some of that because i do think the scoia'tael have a good role in in the witcher universe and obviously you know we have some of the plight of the elves and that gets explored more as the season goes on but uh seeing that side of the the elves and how they you know really try to fight back in this very aggressive nature um is something that I hope we get to see of 
a little bit more. Big thing left out, and I know, Tracy, you'll remember this. It's from the books. It's from Blood of Elves, and it's the number one thing I wanted to see in this show. And my favorite thing from Blood of Elves was the Shiharawed scene and the attack on the wagon train. It is. And to (laughs) just be very brief in it, because it it doesn't show up in the season, and I thought for sure – when yeah. they said Yarpin, when they when I saw the announcement that Yarpin Zigrin was coming back, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do Shaharawed. So Shaharawed was basically the scene where Geralt and Ciri are traveling together with the sick Triss and, like, Dandelion's <laughs> there. So you can tell I mean, this is obviously very different from the way they went. Mm-hmm. And this wagon train kind of stops. Geralt and Ciri go to these ancient elven ruins of Shaharawed. And he tells her the story of Aelorin. And this is basically this last stand of the elves where they doomed themselves to the life they have now in this like blaze of glory and they cherish her as this old hero but it can also be seen as her pride if you will kind of has them in this mess and while this is happening siri goes into a trance and sees the wagon train being attacked they go back yep. and we get this non-human where it's like it's not that easy where it's just oh squirtail doing all that because he's right there's dwarves with the squirtail and they're attacking dwarves and just this heart-wrenching scene happens and they didn't put that in there. And so I just want your thoughts on, like, why do you think they left that out? Because they could have explained so much with this scene. But I guess because just Geralt and Siri, I guess because they just weren't going to travel together? Or why do you think? My thought is, and that's the, it just in general in, in this season as a whole, you know, there was a lot of things we could say they didn't explore in Blood of Elves. And, you know, they took their own direction. I assume they're thought on the elven story was really focused around Francesca and Philavandril and they're just kind of taking that aspect of it and that's going to be the elven story for now. I guess I've kind of accepted that uh and that that to me is probably why they they haven't included all of the the story of Aelorin and I I I agree that I know we've talked about this this is one of my personal favorite stories in blood of elves it's one of my favorite chapters and so i too was pretty disappointed that they left it out but i assume that that's just kind of this this is the direction they're taking the elves and and if they can only fit so many things into a season this is kind of what they decided to go with and and i've i've mentally accepted that i was like okay (laughs) hey maybe we will get an aspect of that in season three who knows but you know, at this point, yeah, I think that the story of the elves has been a lot more focused on Francesca and her goals and what that means for the the future of the elves and where their home could be. We've talked about it before that we've accepted, you know, it doesn't have to be this straight adaptation to judge yep. it on its own merit. But something like that, again, when they leave out, because I understand when they leave something out where it's like, oh, they couldn't really fit that in. But that could have fit everything in. You could have fit the exposition of the elves. It was, I mean, a massive moment, at least for me, with Geralt and Ciri, like together and more Geralt and Ciri, or having more Geralt and Ciri is always a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, I did also see her tweet out that so much of the problems of Blood of Elves was nothing, quote, really happens, and that time of contempt will be a lot easier to do so. So we'll see Mm kind of how they tie all that together. So another thing, obviously a big problem, Part of this episode was Care Morin and Lucy. You had some stuff down here. What did you want to bring up? The Care Morin um, scenes that I was quite interested in is we mentioned earlier that this episode was written by Bo de Mayo, um, who was also the writer of Nightmare of the Wolf. Um, so yeah, it was quite a good episode for him to write. 
Um, and at the, I remember at the time of release of Nightmare of the Wolf, um, Lorna Hisrick had said that there was a lot of backstory and setting the scene of Kerr Morhen um, for the viewers before the release of season two, um, because we all knew in season two we'd be getting to Kerr Morhen and us people as game and book lovers would know what Kerr Morhen was, but maybe for the viewer who is not familiar with the universe, um, it was going to describe to them, you know, why it was run down, why it was not full of witchers, um, etc. Uh, so there's a few little references back. Um, there's a few small ones. And then there was one to do with the Leshy that I kind of wanted to get your opinions on because it left me a little bit confused. So when they first arrive at Kerr Morhen, there's lots of bones and kind of carcasses of large creatures still lying around the outside areas, which I thought was, you know, definitely the creatures that we see in the final battle of Nightmare of the Wolf. Um, we get Vesemir mentioning to Geralt as well not to get involved in any political conflicts and he sort of references back saying you remember what happened last time witchers shoved their noses into the dramas and of courts and kingdoms um, and that kind of made me think of the uh, the part of Nightmare of the Wolf where Vesemir is in the bar and they end up killing two knights I think it was and then I think one of his friends ends up getting killed in the court because of that um, we see Vesemir also talk to Ciri about Deglin who was his father figure and then Siri puts together that, you know, Vesemir was Geralt's father figure and now Geralt is like her father figure. So there's a lot of parallels there. But the one that kind of confused me was um, the Leshen. So in Nightmare of the Wolf, uh, the opening scene is the fight with the Leshy. And Vesemir makes a point of saying that this Leshy was different because it was speaking to him in like an elder speech and they weren't supposed to talk. This is kind of paralleled in episode two where uh, Eskel shows up and he has been fighting Aleshi for six hours and he says it walks like one and it talks like one. My confusion there was, obviously at the end of Nightmare of the Wolf, Vesemir is like one of the last remaining witchers along with this bunch of kids. I don't know if he's decided to not tell them about the new brand of Leshens that can speak or has he said, has he told them that they've always been this way or have Netflix kind of made a mistake here? That that's a very good point. I did not think about that. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I I yeah, you're right. No, I think I guess that's another uh, log to add on the fire of the uh, leshy uh, fire there. I see. That's what I'm talking. About. I don't have my clear thoughts. I keep talking it's all right. in there. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. I don't I keep know. Blathering. Yeah, I don't know where to like what that is. I think that might have just been yeah, just a little bit of a hole because you would think when he talks about training, he mentions Eskel. Didn't you remember your training? It's fire through the heart, I think is what he says. Yeah. And yeah, Vesemir, your information from what, like 67 years, whatever it was before, mm -hmm. or, nine, or 80, whatever it was, that, that might've been helpful. Because there was another point there, like what you said, Vesemir says to Eskel, the only way to kill it is fire through the heart. And one of, you remember in Nightmare of the Wolf, they did all these little quips during, you know, very anime style quips during the uh, the fight scenes. And when Vesemir is fighting the Leshy in Nightmare of the Wolf, he is describing to the young child that he was um, rescuing. Oh, oh, there's a few ways you can kill it. You can uh, kill it with fire. You can kill a few of its dogs. Like, so he talks about a few different ways you can kill it. And then in this one, he's very adamant that there's only one way of killing it. So again, I don't know if that's just him growing older and learning that really there is only one way. Or again, is that just like a little mistake made? Considering they're both written by the same person, you would think that he would remember those two things. So that's what made me think maybe it's just Vesemir not completely divulging all the information to the, the new younger witchers. See, I'm, I'm like, now I'm gonna have to go back and watch. That's like one of the opening scenes of Nightmare of the Wolf. So yeah, I... Yeah. 
I'm like, now I'm going to go back and watch that. Because I, I actually don't remember that myself, that he had mentioned multiple ways, which is interesting. And I think it, it to me, it would come off that maybe like the main way to kill a Leshy is like the fire to the heart thing. Yeah. So maybe that's just Vesemir just like, yeah, that's the way to do it, Eskel. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that that is very interesting. The, the you know, I, I always make jokes, Vesemir... Um, especially in the games, he's very much like the monster lore guy where he's mm -hmm. like, you need to read your ghouls and owl ghouls and you have to, you know, make sure you read your books, witchers, uh, which <laughs> I, I love that about him. So I, I think that it's very interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I like that Vesemir is that kind of person who talks like that. And even in this episode, he does that a little bit. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something when you just talk about Kaer Morin and the Witchers in general, but especially someone like Vesemir and Eskel, is I do think a lot of the backlash of this episode, and I kept seeing it as I try to be positive as possible and I try not mm -hmm. to respond to everything. It took a lot. When I saw so many people say that Eskel was a major character, and <laughs> that is just objectively wrong. Like, that yeah. is wrong. That is incorrect. He's in the books. He is literally in the first three chapters of Blood of Elves. That is it. He never comes back after that. He makes some of, quote, appearances, if you will, in Yen, Siri, and then Geralt has a little flashback as well, of which he comes back. But Lambert, Vesemir, and Eskel never come back after the third chapter of Blood of Elves, and only Cohen makes an appearance, a very brief one. These witchers, especially the ones here, are so much bigger to us because of the games. And yeah. the yep. games have got such a bias towards people because of it. And so, yeah, that's just kind of the thing. Uh, I know, Tracy, you hit on there of how Vesemir was in the games. Like, he's very Grandpa Vez. He's very hard. Yeah. He's just an old man Vez, Papa Vez, you know. And so I kind of want your thoughts on that, on what you think the reaction to this may have been based on people coming into it with games primarily. I think you hit the nail on the head there where inherently I think we all, you know, The Witcher 3 was a phenomenal game and, and shaped all of us as Witcher fans. So we, we do have to acknowledge that, that truthfully, many of us probably, and that's, I, I'm not going to say it's for everybody because there are folks who are big fantasy readers and love fantasy books and probably could get into the witcher without playing the games but many of us we got into the world of the witcher from the games so there's definitely that respect that we have for the games um but of course acknowledging that this show is more book focused and uh knowing that we all kind of have that inherent bias from the games where yeah they, they made the witcher so much more lovable in the games than than the books where i think the only scene eskel has that's noteworthy is when triss is in Kermorin, and eskel is the only one that actually comes to triss in the end and is like triss we need your help with siri uh everybody all the rest of the witchers were all super uh you know, being like, Triss, you need to calm down. And Vesemir's like, Triss, you, you're being too emotional, which obviously is not something you say to a woman. <laughs> and, 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 and so yeah. Eskel, was the, Eskel was the only one in the book who was like, Triss, we need your help. And it was like, I was like, okay, cool. Eskel's cool. But that's like his only scene in the books. And so, yes, when, when we all have to acknowledge that Eskel is definitely a minor character, but we've had, we all have that game bias that makes yeah. us, Think of Eskel and we're like, oh, like what's happening to Eskel in this episode um, is very much because we do have that bias. But 
you know, there are reasons outside of that that I think people have their criticisms and some valid, some just more outrage. But um, yeah, that's just kind of my take on it and, and my overall thoughts. I was confused by Eskel when we first meet him in the show because, you know, this whole backlash especially made me think that he was a massive character in the books. And I'm pretty sure I messaged you, Brett, after watching that episode being like, I'm really confused by this <laughs> because Brett's just like my Witcher Bible when I haven't read the book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was expecting him, you know, from the game, he's a bit more of a likable character. He seems a lot more welcoming. And um, I always remember that scene where um, Yennefer is uh, performing... Uh, some kind oh she's doing like the trial of the grasses on uma is that right yeah um and i'm pretty sure is it eskel that is like helping clean up around her and stuff while she has to do the magic and um yeah he just seemed like a, a good like a decent person but then as soon as we meet him in episode two i just felt like every time he was on screen and especially when he was with siri they were trying to make it seem like he was a threat to her and like he was quite intimidating and especially the scene where Siri's trying to find a bedroom and he comes in real close and just tells her it's a shithole and he's you know he keeps calling her princess and making references to the fact that she's from a castle and trying to really make her not feel welcome or at home um so it wasn't the character I was expecting um I think a lot of people had issue with the fact that they think that they wanted to kill Eskel because they wanted to kill off a, a seemingly big name as kind of like a shock factor. But there was all these other witchers in Kaer Morhen that nobody was expecting. They could, like, I think a lot of people were like saying, you could have killed one of those. And then the people were coming back saying, oh, but we wanted to kill a big name. But then it's like, obviously I don't want to do any spoilers, but like later in the series, it shows what all those, all those witchers were really there for. Their reasoning behind it wasn't clear, but... Me personally, like I liked the I liked the storyline. Um, it would have been nice to see him a bit a bit more, but I quite like Cohen, and I'm not familiar with the character Cohen, so I'm kind of intrigued to see where that goes. There's probably a good reason why he's not in the games. <laughs> but oh yeah, really? Not. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, it's also interesting the selective outrage that people have at decisions based on quote what witchers are supposed to be. It's stated. I can't. This just slipped my mind. I think it was Yen in one of her flashbacks in the books where she mentions or somewhere in this like vision or flashback she has, they start laughing and she, she mentions specifically, I don't ever remember hearing the witchers laugh. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, here, these fucking witchers, this is a frat house. Yeah. I mean, it's someone, <laughs> and that's the thing. Everyone is, Oh, Eskel, Eskel, Eskel. I'm the only person over here. Like I like Lambert the least because yeah. as far as his characterization goes, and the games, I thought, hit him dead on the head. I thought they did a great job yep. of his book counterpart. He's a sardonic prick. Like, he's not a boisterous anything. He's a jerk, especially to Triss in the books. Like, yep. out and out. Like, eventually, some have to be like, like Lambert, calm down. Like, yep. we know you don't like her, but you don't have to be this big of a, like, a, he's just a prick, you know. And in here, mm -hmm. he's just, I found him so unlikable. And I mm -hmm. know, Lucy, you and me have talked about how much we like the actor and how yeah. good he's done like on the press tours and everything. Like he seems awesome. Mm -hmm. And I just, his character to me just really missed. I just didn't like the witchers at all. And I, I, I just kind of really wanted to, am I alone mm -hmm. in that? Or what do y'all think? 
I know what you mean about Lambert, especially because uh, during the press tour and especially when we watched that um, yeah. the premiere in London, um, I just like kind of almost fell in love with the actor of Lambert. I thought like it was really intriguing. Like he had this big ginger hair and um, I thought he was super likable and I was so excited to see him as Lambert. But I just kind of find him a bit annoying. And I don't know if I was supposed to feel that way about him because, you know, in the game, he's, you know, like you say, he's an arsehole, like he is a prick. Um, but I just kind of felt a bit indifferent towards Lambert and he was just a bit of a big oaf really like when he like ran into Siri's room waving the sword about and stuff I just yeah. didn't really <laughs> I didn't really get get his character at all so I, I know what you mean the other witchers um, in this episode I'm trying to not think about the whole series uh, in this episode I like I like Vesemir in this episode I liked the vibe that he had Yeah. Um, and I feel like Eskil, Lambert and Vesemir are the only ones we really get speaking to in this episode isn't it we don't see much of cohen in this one i don't think i think i would agree with both of you on that um in this episode in particular we don't get a lot of introduction to the witchers it's like we're in care morin and it's exciting that we're finally in the the homeland of the witchers and uh really the big scene that we get is like the party scene which obviously mm -hmm. we can we can talk on that a little bit we're in the controversies of that but i i agree with what you said lucia that I think it's a strong start for Vesemir specifically. Uh, he has that little talk with Geralt outside where he talks about him bringing Ciri to, to Kaer Morin. And it, it's that moment. I think that was one of the earlier clips that they showed us before the season even came out. Mm -hmm. And it got me so hyped. I was like, oh, yes, we get, you know, that those great like moments with Geralt and Vesemir. So it was a strong start, I think, for the season for, for Vesemir. Obviously, you know, later on in the season, we see where his character goes. But for me, I really liked Vesemir the most, I think, in, in this episode. All right, so you hit on the party scene. And definitely, yeah. that was probably my biggest gripe when it comes to either characterization, and not from the book, not anything else, but mm -hmm. just what we were supposed to think what Kaer Morin is and what we're supposed to think these witchers are. Uh, so yeah, Tracy, go ahead and uh, lead us into that. When I first watched this, I was utterly confused by <laughs> the scene um, in, in agreement. It, it, you know, book knowledge and game knowledge aside, it was like a little weird to see uh, this big party going on at Kaer Morin. Watching it a second time, I tried to be a little bit more like understanding in like, okay, they're trying to tell something. They're trying to tell a story here with why this is happening. They're trying to show that this is out of character for Eskel to do these kinds of things. I didn't pick up on that, I think, the first time I watched this. That I think they're really trying to build up that this is all out of character and we're supposed to feel maybe uncomfortable by it. Like, this is not something that the Witchers are supposed to do. And it's because there's something wrong with Eskel. Um so I tried to like look at it from a different perspective the second time I watched it, but I think the first time I watched it, it was very much like, mm -hmm. this is very bizarre. Uh, what is going on here? I think especially because I, I don't remember which part of the episode, but there's a part of episode one where um, Siri is asking Geralt loads of questions and um, she says that she hasn't heard of Kaer Morhen. And he's like, yeah, we like it that way. We keep it that way. We keep it a low profile because of what happened in yeah. the sack of Claire Morhen. So then the next episode, we see this party. And I have I have seen a lot of people with this argument where they're saying, you know, it's meant to be out of character for Eskel. And fair enough, if Eskel was to bring a load of people back, I wouldn't have expected Vesemir and everybody else to just be yeah. on board with it and get involved. 
So that was what confused me. Yeah, actually, I do. I didn't even think about that. Actually, that that Vesemir didn't even step in. Geralt was the only, I guess, voice of reason there, where he's like, mm-hmm. "Esmol, what's going on?" Uh, but the rest of the Witchers were just fine with this. And it's like I get it. They've all had like long journeys on the path, and they want to relax and wind down. But nobody except Geralt like questioned this <laughs> and said, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be inviting people to our secret Witcher hideout." Yeah, that was a big problem I had because Lauren actually tweeted out an explanation of let's talk about Eskul. Yes. And then one of the things she said on there was he disrespected Kara Morin and disrespected her uh, his brothers by bringing them back. And yeah, that's the thing that stuck out to me was when Geralt went out there and see, when we saw this party, I'm like, oh man, he's about to, what the fuck is going, you know, all that. And then he's like <laughs> kind of playing it coy. And then I'm like, well, Vesemir. Papa Vez is going to come in here and act like an 80s dean in a teenager movie. <laughs> yeah. And then Vez kind of saunters up, or Vesemir kind of saunters up there and has like a smirk. And I'm like, what? No. Yeah. And so, like you said, yeah. that to me is where my gripes that I'm really going to get on is with like the storytelling aspect and the characterization aspect. And that to me was a just massive failure. Cause like you said, this is supposed to be a secret place. They go down to the town and they bring these sex workers back. But then we get the really uncomfortable line of, oh, they're not going to remember this all anyway. I'm like, uh, yeah. uh are we, do they have like Witcher GHB? Is there a little, yeah. I don't want to say the word, but that made me like, oh, it's getting a little kind of rapey in here. Yeah. That was, yeah. Very, that was not good. It's very interesting to me that this episode is so, you know, talked about within the communities and I guess would be called so controversial that Lauren did make a full thread about this. And this is pre everything else that we talked about with Lauren. (laughs) Like she wrote this thread December 29th, uh, 2021. So she, you know, this was more recent, like where things were still fresh after everybody was watching the season. And she made a full long thread about the decisions of what happens to Eskel in this particular episode so it's it's such a talked about thing so much that you know the showrunner felt compelled to make a thread explaining it and that just shows like how this particular episode had such a impact on fans of the of the witcher universe so yeah i I don't know i just find that very interesting about this episode in particular that it just brought up so much discussion on on questioning where you know the witchers are going here yeah that type of twitter thread i think is really helpful and productive because it gets into the creative process from the most important creator of this series is her she's the showrunner and i'm sure i've said it before but for those that don't know a showrunner in a tv series is the highest person outside of the Netflix top executives. Like, they would be above her, but as far as directors, writers, everything, that is the person in charge. And another thing that we talked about, and I kind of got into this with my foray into TV writing, was understanding how this works. So say Bo DeMeo wrote this episode. What generally happens is they have a writer's room, they put everything out, they have where everything's going, and then the showrunner gives an episode to a writer. And if you are a staff writer on a TV show... You only get residuals from the episodes your name is on have written. So everybody by the union-wise gets one episode. And so what happens is you throw it out to a writer, and then depending on what it is, it could be a week, it could be several days, could be whatever. They then get a draft back to the showrunner. The showrunner almost every single time, 99.9%, I would guess, is going to rewrite it in some fashion. And so this episode may have been written by Bo DeMeo, but I promise you – Somebody else had lines that are in there, 
and Lauren, the showrunner, would go over every single thing and put in what she wants if the person can't rewrite it in that manner. And that's just one of the things that the people might not know. They may think, oh, he wrote this. Every single word is his. And the showrunner's just like, well, I guess, you know, we're going to do it. That's that's really not exactly how it works. The, the things yeah. I got into to understand, like, oh, because that was the same way. I used to think, mm -hmm. oh, so-and-so wrote this. And then I realized, oh, no, that's kind of why you have a tone of a show is always usually going to be comedy's the main one. It's going to be like that person's main thing because they're kind of putting their touch on every single like script very interesting yeah that it makes sense like it's never just one person you know yeah. it's there's always so much more that goes into the creation of, of these things so yeah yeah and like the pitch lines i know tracy you had in here the uh, a line that you liked that Geralt mm -hmm. said to siri and like for all we know that could have been declan Debara, another writer that threw right. that line out and then they just inserted it into here. But yeah, go ahead. What was that line that you have down here? Yeah, so there's one scene where Geralt and Siri are alone. It's right before the the party scene and uh Siri's talking about what uh they're going to be doing up here in Kaer Morhen and she brings up training. She wants to train, she wants to learn to be a witcher. Geralt is hesitant at first. You know, he's hesitant to train her and Siri makes it clear she wants to learn to fight so she can kill the black rider that she's been having these dreams about that she saw she wants to kill him and Geralt steps in and says no uh that's not why we train we we don't kill out of fear we kill to save lives and i it's one of my favorite moments i think in this episode it's of course Geralt dad moment which we all love very dearly we love Geralt dad moments and it's also a good nod to the books uh where in Blood of Elves, a similar scene happens where Ciri gets very emotional and, you know, she gets, it's, it's a very heated scene because it was already sparked by Triss talking about a lot of political issues. And Ciri steps in and is like, well, you know what? I want to learn to fight so I can kill this Black Rider. He caused so much pain to my family. I want to kill him. And Geralt is just like, no, you are not learning to fight to kill people. You're doing it to save lives. And so it's it's a really good moment and one of my personal favorites in in this episode and just in general. Uh, so I'm I'm curious what you guys think about that moment as well. I thought it was sweet and it showed uh, quite a nice moment between Geralt and it was like his first, well, one of his first really fatherly moments there where he's teaching her a lesson and he purposefully turns around, puts down, I think he's working on the, uh, the leshy hand at that point. Um, and he says to her, this is important, you know, and um, he's making a point that this is something that he wants her to really listen to. And it's like, she's made a point of how she wants to be like a witcher. And he's now taking that into account and saying, this is what a witcher would do. We're not we're not going to teach you just to be a cold blooded killer. <laughs> There's got to be um, some sort of rules here. Um, and then I think just after that, when he goes to the party is where he gets that line. Um, with the woman who says, oh, I hear you have a daughter now. And then he gets really defensive. And I kind of love that bit. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, it's putting together those little moments where it's showing this sort of like developing relationship between them two, in particular, like Geralt's feelings and, uh, you know, fatherly feelings towards Ciri. So it's a, it's a great line. It's one of those really standout lines. There, There's several of them in here and in upcoming episodes. And it's just, it's wild to me because... The show, especially this season, which I thought was head and shoulders better than the previous season, yeah. that its best moments are when it's this, when it's slow, 
when it's two people talking and you have these good lines and you can actually see these characters interacting and it's not when it's just monster fighting and like it's showing here that they can do it because honestly i did not like this episode at all but mm-hmm. a scene like this it's really good because as you mentioned tracy if my favorite scene from blood of elves was a shaharawet our favorite chapter a moment my second one was when tris basically kind of puts these witchers in their place when she's mm-hmm. talking about the battle and the witches are like, ah, you stupid people with your battles. We don't care about nothing over here. We're neutral. You know, everything's the same. And she starts talking about Sodden. And I think it was Gerald Summers is like, yeah, we don't want to hear about that. And she's like, shut the fuck up. You're going to hear about it. Because yep. this is going yep. on out there whether you want, whether you like it or not. And she starts talking about these names and gets real emotional. And then, yeah, Siri comes in and starts saying, I'm going to kill the Black Rider. And Geralt, Geralt <laughs> is much more firm, I guess I would say, not yep. harsh in the books than here. And that's yep. another change that they've done. They've kind of made him nicer, kind of with a caring hand. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's good or bad, but he definitely was a lot more yeah. hardened. I, I like it. It's. I think it's also a little different because series I think depicted a bit younger in the books than she is in this. And that's true. And she comes in and she's like, "Well, I want to kill them." And girl's like, "No." And it upsets her so much that she runs away and goes goes out to go kind of be like a kid when they get yelled at they go and hide in their little tree hut and get sad and and -hmm. that's kind of what happened in the books and in this i think series a bit older and i i do actually i like it i'm i'm one of my i think my favorite things of the series in general i think that they do a great job is Geralt and series interactions have Mm -hmm. just been phenomenal and they they treat it a little bit differently in that it is true. Like Geralt's more talking to like a, a, a young or like a preteen or kind of even more like a teen, you know, and it's, she's a little bit more mature and hardened from everything that happened to her. And um, yeah, I, I just really like the way they treat this, this relationship in the show. And, and I do really like it. I would have liked more of it because <laughs> I do think that's yeah. kind of one of the things where, even this year, it's Kaer Morin, and you know, we'll get to it at the end, but Siri doesn't actually really start training until yeah. the literal last scene. And yeah. it's just one of those, okay, Geralt and Siri are the crux of this entire story, not of the season, just of the series. Like everything is their relationship. And so them being together and understanding each other more, because again, they did that less in the show. They didn't actually come face to face talking until the last scene of the first season. And so we're still only two episodes of them actually like being together. Yeah. So yeah, scenes like this were just super important and yep. w- it works when they do it. I just, I just wish they had more of it. All right. So the last real big thing to talk about is the introduction of the deathless mother into the three mages. And again, it's pretty much a huge thing to have on here. So Tracy, what did this mean mm-hmm. to you? So this was, again, one of those scenes that was totally new uh, for, you know, everybody in the Witcher universe. If you read the books, if you played the games, this is all new material. So I was not sure where they were going with this, but I was interested. I, I was like, OK, I'm, I don't know where this is going, but I'm interested. And, uh, you know, Francesca, Fringilla, and Yennefer have all been having these shared dreams with different people in it. And they come to this creeping hut. They meet this deathless mother uh, and the different interpretations that they've been having of this person. And I 
I thought it was very interesting. And for this first episode, I really liked it. I, yeah, I, I liked the creeping hut and everything. I for sure thought she was going to be a hag or something or like a, a witch. Because I, again, I play a lot of D&D and there is actually very similar nods to this whole Baba Yaga thing with the the hut with the legs. Um, that's something I've seen and I've in other you know interpretations of fantasy. I thought it was cool and I was really hoping it would be more um, playing on that witchy hag type style. Uh, as we go through the season, we learn more about this character, so I won't talk about it too much. But that's where I thought it was going, and I was very interested. Um, we have these three people that clearly are of some significance to each of these three mages. So Frigilla is visited by Amir, uh, and Francesca is visited by Ethelene, and Yennefer is greeted by somebody <laughs> who <laughs> I actually um, don't know who it is. I don't know if you guys were trying to figure this out as well. Yeah. I I actually googled it afterward because I was like, who is this? Um, and I don't, I actually think they don't tell you. I think who... it's supposed to be a young Yennefer. I think it's supposed that to be herself. Hence, well. like okay. the piglet. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I thought it was young Tissaia or something because when she said piglet, I was like, oh, is this like a younger version of Tissaia or something? And... Yeah, I thought that as well. But then I was thinking it, the way the because it was quite a young girl and she just had so much. She was quite snidey and she was like being quite sassy and stuff. And I thought, yeah. is it Yennefer? It, it gave me kind of like Yennefer to say a vibes. Yeah. But, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't Google it yet, but did, did it come up with any answers? I looked at the wiki page for this episode uh, and they actually just say an unknown person. Okay. Um, and so I guess maybe they wanted to intentionally make it uh, vague in who it yeah. is. Um, which is interesting. I, I don't, I don't know why fully. I understand why they decided to make it. Like they made very clear characters for Fringilla and Francesca. Amir mm -hmm. is obviously a very important character, and even Ethelene, who's somebody who we know of from the books. She's this elven seer who has these prophetic, just prophecies, I guess, about uh, the the White Frost and all of these things. So she's she's not like a main character in the books, but she's referenced many times. Uh, for you know, it's a good nod for 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 book folk. But um, this third person for Yennefer, it's like, I wonder why they decided to make it not as clear who the person is and what, you know, what was the, the decision there, I guess. I was very curious. Yeah, I think in also to hit on, because again, a sucker for the elves and prophecy, I think it was in the seventh episode, the ending of the seventh episode of the first season, when Ciri goes into that trance where she kills yes. her friends. And that's oh, yeah. her actually saying Ithlene's prophecy. Yes. And that's yeah. one of those, every time I hear that, and I don't know, maybe later this season will come up again, I just chills and I get choked yeah. up every time they like, goes into there. Oh my God. Anyway, that was, that was my favorite uh, scene of the first season. Uh, but yeah, I think this is obviously kind of showing the, what they want or who can give them what they want. Yeah. Francesca wants the baby. You know, Frangilla wants, I guess, power, because I guess Emir would be the one to do it as he'd be the emperor. And yeah, the if it's Yennefer is a young kid, is it trying to say that she actually is the same as she was? Because I think at this point we're supposed to think she's changed from the first season, like wanting the baby and doing all that. But I guess it also probably plays into she has lost touch with magic. So mm -hmm. yeah, it is 
It is interesting you point out that it is vague for her, but very clear on the other two. Because she has that dream at the very beginning of the episode as well, doesn't she? Where she's just living a normal life with oh, Geralt. Yeah. And then she has she's pregnant at one point, and then at one point she has a baby, and then the crib goes on fire. And then her hooded um, person has the baby, which has... She's got little elven ears, which I only yeah. noticed on my second play or playthrough, second <laughs> watch. Um, so there's obviously something there to do with babies and yeah, but I'm I'm so unclear as to who it was supposed to be. But my my I did decide in my head that it was a young version of herself, but I don't understand what significance that is. See, it's funny because you bring that up, and it's another thing that when I look into it, I'm like, wait a minute, why am I relating so much to Yennefer? Because I've started teaching psychology this year for the first time, so I've had to really look into things. And one big thing is dreams. And mm -hmm. one belief, if you will, is your dreams are your subconscious. It's access to things that you just don't think about. They're deep down. They've either been repressed or they're for whatever reason. And one thing is people who know me or have seen my picture is I don't have hair. I'm bald. Been that way since like my mid-20s. I just shave it off now. I genuinely have accepted it. It's fine. I don't think like, oh my God, I wish I had. I don't dwell on it. You know what I mean? Every, and it hadn't happened in a while, but every maybe three, four, five, six months, I will have a very vivid and lucid dream that I have hair again and long, really? and long hair like I had in my mid 20s because this was the mid 2000s. And everybody, oh. you, know, you had long hair if you were like young back then. Look at Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire. Yeah. The reason why yeah. they'll have long hair. <laughs> That's what we did in 2005 or whatever it was. So I have this, and again, it's, a, it's the type of dream where you know it feels real. Mm -hmm. And I'll wake up, and for, again, about a few seconds, it'll be like, holy shit, I have hair again. And then that realization, that was a fucking dream. But <laughs> oh, no. it is, and it makes me, like, sad in that moment. But then I'm just mm -hmm. like, okay, whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe this was Yen. Maybe she's, okay, I, I guess I really don't want a baby anymore. But she has this dream, and her subconscious is, no you still want that it's still deep down in there yeah that could be a good point actually because we have we did she did kind of like did she give up on it or did she kind of come to terms with it at the it's, end yeah then that that's exactly what it is is it just coming yeah. to terms or is it just she doesn't really want it is it an acceptance like a cognitive dissonance kind of thing that's just something that i don't know do y'all have anything like that is there anything deep down or something that you've just kind of come to terms with maybe not happening or do dreams kind of mess you up dreams can just really mess me up i guess I have dreams that I live in Northern Ireland still. Weird. And that is something that always plays on my mind. Because obviously I'm not close to my family. I mean, like I'm not physically close to any of them because they live in Northern Ireland. And I've always, I've accepted that I'm going to live here now and I want to live here. But I always dream about living in my mum's house still. Wow. Isn't that weird? That is. Yeah, what I guess. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I think that's something yeah. you have to... Teach your breath. Yeah. Oh, oh no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I, like, I, I'm not a therapist. I just started teaching it. I can just give you this bare geography. You saw me do geography. I can help you with that. But anything else like that, uh, I think you're on your own. I think you're going to have to figure that out. I guess kind of, yeah, that might just be something you'd have to self-reflect on or your own introspection. Mm. We didn't talk too much about the the Eskel fight. I don't really care too much to talk about it personally. Like at this point, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it, it happened. We know it happened. Uh, and it, it, it clearly is affected the witchers. And, you know, we, we see that more in future episodes, but what I really liked was the final scene of this particular episode. It's 
it's a little it's it's kind of dramatic but i like it it's it's yeah. uh it's the, the music and everything that goes with this particular scene i thought was really good and it's a good way to end the episode where Geralt finally after everything that just happened in Caramoran, Geralt hands siri a wooden sword and the two of them begin kind of training and sparring together and it's a really cool you know shot of Caramoran and the two mm-hmm. of them you know, doing these maneuvers together. And then we cut between that and we cut between uh, uh, Yennefer in the forest by herself, kind of slowly learning that her powers, that she can't use her magic. And she's running through the forest and she's very emotional, very upset. She just screams and cries out and she's all by herself. And it's just this really dramatic cut between what's happening with Geralt and Ciri and then what's happening with Yennefer. And I just, I liked it. I was like, it was a good way to end the the episode. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought that bit with Yennefer was amazing. Like, and Anya is incredible because yeah. I just felt like Yennefer just thinks that that is it. Because yeah. like to her, like that is everything to her, but especially what we've just been speaking about how, you know, she's went through this whole journey of not being able to have a child. And to yeah. her, just having that power was everything and her learning that she's lost it. And she's she tries so many times before giving up in that final scene. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. I felt, I felt mm-hmm. awful for her. That's one thing I think the show, I, I do give a lot of credit to the show for, is that they do, uh, they've done a pretty good job showing the struggles of Yennefer. We see a lot mm-hmm. of it in season one and we see it in season two. Because when we meet Yennefer in the books, we meet her post-transformation and we see her in her strongest moments we don't really see her in her most vulnerable and weak moments and we get to see that glimpses of that in this show and i think it's very good and very interesting because to me yennefer is a powerful character but she's had to work for everything she's ever gotten she's never had anything handed to her on a silver platter she's always had to work for it and we we're beginning to see the struggles that Yennefer is going to have this season with losing her power. And it's like, once again, Yennefer does not have it easy. She has to work for everything. And that's how she's become such a, a strong character is because mm-hmm. of her struggles. And this is the beginning of those struggles. So I, I do like that as just, you know, showing that aspect of Yennefer in the show and and seeing that in this final scene. I thought it was good. Big thing you see with high-level professional athletes is when it comes to the end of their career and they can't do it anymore, they kind of lose that self-worth. Everything is tied up into their ability as an athlete. And once that gets taken away, it can be depression, it can be anything. And that's kind of Mm. like mentioned here with Yennefer is she's tied to this chaos. She's this powerful magician and if she doesn't have it, she's nothing. Mm. And so you have to hit on that because that's another big change is Yennefer losing magic. It's it's another big criticism you see from, again, the, you know, the peanut galleries, the nicest mm-hmm. thing I can call them, <laughs> is saying like, oh, there's not enough Geralt. There's so much focus on Yennefer. And like, that's kind of one of those, tell me you don't know what this is based on and you don't know the books yep. without saying you don't know what's based on you don't know the books, <laughs> is... It's Yennefer is not the main character of the Witcher book series, but this is one of those hot take hills that I would die on. The two short stories, the two books of the short stories, Geralt is absolutely the main character. One and hmm. done. That's it. But from Blood of Elves on, the Witcher saga, that is not Geralt's story. Yep. Like, it's Ciri's story. It's yep. just we're doing it through the lens of the Witcher 
and then Yennefer is would be so it'd be like character one A and one B, and then Yennefer yep. would be two, and then everybody else is way down the line. And what they've done here is just expand Yennefer's role, which yep. I'm glad because she's massively important as she's like the mother, if you will. And yep. Lucy, as you mentioned, Anya Chalatra is amazing. Like they hit it out of the mm-hmm. park with her. Yep. And so the more time she's on screen, like showing this, the more the better. And so it's just one of those things there again, where somebody the criticize people can criticize whatever they want. It's art. That's fine. But if you're yeah. going to criticize it for that, at least criticize it knowing what it is based on or where it's coming yeah. from. Anytime anybody asks me, like, if I had to give a one sentence definition of The Witcher and the story, I'd be like, it's Siri's world and we're all just living in it. It's mm-hmm. the story is about Siri <laughs> and it's it's her world. And, and it, she's the main character, in my opinion. But Geralt and Yennefer are the main characters to her main character. So they are both extremely important to the story and to say otherwise is definitely yeah like totally not understanding what it's all about there's one whole chapter in blood of elves i don't think Geralt or he might be he's in it a little bit but the final chapter of blood of elves is all yennefer and siri like that's it's all about them so it's you know it's very much she's a very important character in this universe and anya is great I, i i make this joke too where she does these screams uh and she does it at the end of this episode she just cries out and screams i'm like damn when they did the like audition did they have her do a (laughs) scream because she's just like she does these very like emotional screams she does it in season one too when she's getting her transformation and she's awake for it and she's like crying out i was like anya is so good at this very primal Yes. Yeah. I'm like, dang, she does such a good job um, of just conveying emotion in, in, in everything that she does. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really awesome way to end this episode, and I really like it. And when you bring up the Yennefer and Siri, that was because that was another thing, too, from the books in there is that Yennefer is calling Siri like ugly duckling. Yep. And calling yep. her those names that like to say the piglet. So they kind of took that. Yep. And threw it into there. And that was kind of, again, on when you bring that up now, and I remember like on a reread, that it was, yeah. oh, yeah, she was like insulting her in that way. Yeah. So they kind of flipped that with Taseya and Yen. Taseya. Yep, exactly. All right. So final thoughts on the episode. And we've kind of talked about a little bit of everything, but again, just kind of an overall. And uh, Lucy, let's start with you. Overall, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was one of the episodes, I think after the extreme highs of episode one where i was like this is the perfect witcher episode 100 percent. it left me feeling a little bit like meh like is the only way i can describe it like there was a lot of flitting back and forth between different storylines and big storylines as well i don't know if i would have wanted it to if there was going to be a big scene at Kaer Morhen, a big fight scene i don't know if i would have wanted to focus on that more and then go over to the deathless mother uh scene Felt like it was jumping back and forth a lot, but um, I still enjoyed it, and I like the Care Morhen introduction, and I especially like the ending scene where we see uh, Geralt and Ciri and Dien. My final thoughts on this episode: I'd say there, everybody talks about the big things that happen, the uh, the Eskel and the Eskel controversy, and some of the things that happen w- between all the Witchers, but to me. I like to focus more on 
the actual dialogue in this episode, I think, is the one strength. And, and some of the, the conversations between Vesemir and Geralt, between Geralt and Ciri, between Francesca and Fragilla and Yennefer. To me, what I got from this episode was those those conversations uh, and the dialogue. And there was a, so much to absorb in this episode. So taking focus away from the big action-packed moments with the Leshy and, and looking more at the, just the dialogue between characters in this episode. And I think there are some hidden gems and, and good things to take away uh, despite the, the controversies. I agree. I did not care for the episode at all generally <laughs> because of, we talked about just the weird character decisions, the Lesky Eschel was Leskel Eschel. What's it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Eskel Leshy was just kind of just, it kind of looked weird too. And then the fight, yeah, it just, that part didn't hit me. But there were some good things. And again, I just, I really just hope, and I'll say this again, every chance I get, I just hope that Netflix, whoever's making the decisions to put so much action in, trust the writers, trust the creators, that they can tell a good story with good casting, good characters, and good dialogue. All right, so that's going to do it. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify now, please rate and review the podcast. It means a lot. It's free and it's very easy to do, and it helps with the searches and the analytics and all that fun stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Witcher Podcast, and me and Lucy both operate it. And due to time zones, we're kind of on it a lot. So please message yeah. anything you want there. You can also email WitcherPod at gmail.com. And Tracy, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Miss underscore Magitech. Or on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash mismatchtech. All right, and Lucy? I am Lucy J. Robin on most platforms, but I'm mainly on Twitter and Twitch, the same as you, Tracy. And we'll also pop my Discord link in the show notes as well. We've had a few people come over from uh, the podcast into the Discord, and it's been really good fun getting to chat to you some more. So definitely join. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FoxBride4, on Twitch at the FoxBride. And again, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you, you both. Tracy. Yeah, great discussions. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we will definitely uh, look to have you again sometime during The Witcher 3 when we get back to that over oh, yeah. the next couple of years that it takes us yeah. to finish it. <laughs> All right, so join us next time as we get to Episode 3, What is Lost? <laughs>